Hello and welcome to Season 5, Episode 22 of Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we have a really great episode because, Andrew, we have been gone for two weeks and so much has happened. Andrew, the NFL is winding down. We are under four weeks left until the playoffs. Things are getting crazy. Andrew, in the NBA, the season is really, really heating up. Everything is getting crazy in the National Basketball Association. Andrew, in the MLB... It's the middle of the offseason, but we might have had the biggest MLB news we've had in decades. Andrew, in college football, the season is over. We are into the playoffs. We know who the top four teams in the country are. We just found out last night who the Heisman winner was. Andrew, it is all insane. We have news about the Timberwolves, the Gophers, the Vikings, the birthday of the day. It's everything. Andrew, let us jump right in to the NFL. Andrew, we've missed two huge weeks in the NFL, but let's catch up. Andrew, when we last were on the air, the Patriots were the NFL's hottest team. Mac Jones, huge favorite for rookie of the year. Patriots defense as the best defense in the NFL. Andrew, the question remains in many people's minds, was the young rookie QB phenom Mac Jones able to continue or did they start to slip up? And Andrew, Mac Jones has not missed a beat. The Patriots are on a huge game win streak as they are 8-4 with the best, or 9-4 with the best record in the AFC on a 7-game win streak. And this team was 2-4 and and now they are 9-4. This team is doing absolutely incredible. They're a game and a half over the second place Bills in their division. They're half a game over the next best team in the AFC. The Patriots are just on a whole nother level Definitely led by their defense. Now, Andrew, when we look at the other best teams in the AFC, we see three other very good teams. That is the Titans, who sit at 8-4 and four right now, the Ravens, who also sit at 8-4, and four, and the Chiefs, who have really found their rhythm and have gotten to a solid yet another 8-4 and four team. Andrew, of those three 8-4 teams, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Titans, if I were to told you that one of them would make the Super Bowl, which one do you think it would be? I mean, Ryan, it just has to be the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I have to say this Ravens team is looking really, really good. But I have to say of late, as in the last four or five games, I'm sorry, but they are getting caught up with the 14 other AFC teams that are inconsistent. And Ryan, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm not saying that that being the top team out of 14 is a bad thing. But when you're fighting with 16 teams and you're the third best team, I'm sorry, but when you're predicting Super Bowl, I can't put the Ravens in this conversation. In the AFC, Ryan, I got two teams that have the possibility, in my opinion, of making it to the Super Bowls. Of making it to the Super Bowl. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs, and that is the New England Patriots. Now, Ryan, I hate to see these two teams because for the past four years, either one or the other of them has always been the Super Bowl. Just, ah, whatever. But, you know what? Congratulations, both of these teams. We'll have to see what happens. Ryan, another team that I'd say is kind of a dark horse to just watch out for. They have a pretty hard upcoming schedule, but if they could get past it, that'd be really big for them. It's on the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Ryan, a lot of people have been liking this team since Jonathan Taylor has started to really, really heat up his game with that five-touchdown game just two weeks ago. And, Ryan, Carson Wentz, is having a sneaky good season. Now, most people just want to talk about Brady or Kyler or Allen or Mahomes, but Ryan, I have to say Carson Wentz maybe should be in the MVP conversation. I mean, I would not pick him by any means, but I just have to say, keep an eye on Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor. The rest of that offense, and to be frank, the rest of that team is not very good. But when you got those two guys and your team is playing really good football, you got to watch out for them. Ryan, let's move over to the NFC, where we have a very tight race. Now, Ryan, can you give me the top three tiers of you think they'll be fighting for the playoffs at the end of this NFL season? Yeah, Andrew, I mean, you said top three tiers. In this NFC, I really only see two major tiers, in my opinion. I mean, you see the teams that are right now that have eclipsed the eight-win mark, and the next best team has six wins. And when you look at the NFC, you can see the Cardinals are still fully in control. This team is at 10-2, 7-0 away. This team 
has been missing Kyler Murray for many weeks. By the way, he returned last week, and so did DeAndre Hopkins, both having a great game as the Cardinals obviously took another win, but this Cardinals team looks great. Andrew, with second place in the NFC, we see the Packers at 9-3, and three, who beat the Cardinals just a couple of weeks ago, sitting at second place in the conference and first place in their division of the NFC North. We also see the 9-3 and three Buccaneers, first place in their division and tied for second in the NFC. And we also see the 8-4 and four Cowboys, who have been a very interesting team, and they do have a lot of divisional games, but their division isn't very good, so they should be fine. Then we see the Rams, who are also 8-4 and four in second place in the NFC West. Andrew, I feel like if any team in the NFC has any shot to be good this year, it's got to be one of those five teams. And it sucks because if any of those teams were in the AFC, they would be maybe even first. But this NFC is very, very tough. So I find it very, very tough for any of these teams to really end up doing that well in the postseason. And then, Andrew, after that, there are many, many teams that are in the playoff conversation. Of the teams that are have six wins right now, there's the Washington football team, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Vikings. That is four teams right there that all have the same record or half a game away. When you look at the teams with five wins, Saints, one, Falcons, two, Panthers, three. When you look at the teams that have four wins, Giants, one, Seahawks, two, Bears, three. There's so many teams. When you look at the teams with four, five, and six wins, that's just a two-game margin. Over half of the entire conference is within two games of each other. And it's not like that's at the very end or very beginning. That's right smack dab in the middle. Andrew, if the season were to end today, we would have the Washington football team and the San Francisco 49ers as the 6th and 7th seed. But wait, the Eagles are half a game behind them. But the Vikings are tied with the Eagles. Oh, wait. But the Panthers are half a game behind the Vikings. Half a game behind the Eagles. Falcons are tied with the Panthers. And half a game behind the Eagles. Half a game behind the Vikings. The Saints are also half a game behind. Do you see what I'm getting at here? This conference is absolutely crazy. And what's interesting for all the teams is that no team's probably going to pull away. I mean, as I said, we're down to four games left for most teams besides the Vikings, Eagles, and Patriots have three games left apiece. I guarantee you not one single of these teams will win all their games of the rest or lose all the rest. The teams with four are most likely all going to go two and two. Teams with three, probably going to go one and two or two and one. And whether, whichever one it is, that will decide who makes the playoffs and who doesn't. If you're one of these teams fans, which most people are, keep watching. It's going to be very exciting. And again, the thing for all these teams, stop focusing on every other team. There's way too many teams to pray for other teams to lose. Not a single one of these teams is that good. So if you can build wins against bad opponents and you can go head-to-head, like when you look at a team like the Washington football team, in their division, they have a lot of other decent teams, just like they're decent too. If they can beat some of those other decent teams, they might be looked at as better than decent for all these teams. The goal is just to keep on picking up wins. Again, in the NFL, a win means so much, just one measly win. So let's see if these teams can continue to grab wins as the season winds down. Andrew, as I said, there are the five top teams in the West being in the NFC, being the Cowboys, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Packers, and the Buccaneers. Andrew, we'll talk about those teams later. But Andrew, if I were to tell you that one team in the West went to the Super Bowl that wasn't one of those five teams, who would you say it would be and why? I mean, Ryan, when we look at the West and we see some very... Very good teams. Ryan, I have to say, one team that personally I am watching with a very close eye is the Washington football team. I mean, to be honest, I know a lot of people really don't like this team, but I'm sorry, Antonio Gibson is playing very well, and that defense, even though they started out extremely shaky, has really, really looked good this season. Brian, one thing that I just want to look at real fast is in the AFC. Obviously, we see the Patriots and the Chiefs sitting with the two best records. And then we see the Colts and the Ravens tied with the Chiefs. But I've already made my pin and say that the Chiefs and the Patriots are above those two teams as the Ravens and Titans are below them. Then we see the Colts at 7-6. and six. 
And then we see the Bills and the Chargers kind of hanging around. Right? By my calculations, I see teams with over seven wins, one, two, and the Patriots and Bills, three, four, in the Chiefs and Chargers, then five, six, in the Ravens and Bengals, and then I see one more with the Titans, and then let's say the Colts get in as an eight seed. Ryan, tell me, out of the teams that have seven wins right now in the AFC, which team do you think is the odd man out? Which team could miss the playoffs with an over 500 record, which, as I say it, does not sound very surprising, but when especially we look at this NFC, I feel like we could easily see teams that are a game, maybe even one and a half games below 500. So, Ryan, tell me, out of these 18, eight teams, which one? He's going to be going home early. Yeah, Andrew, that is the question that many people are trying to answer. Every single one of these teams has been at the top of the conference at some point. I remember a time when the Bills were, the Chargers were, the Bengals were, and I don't think the Colts have ever been at the top. And, Andrew, the Colts have a tough matchup coming up right now. They're 7-6. and six. They've got a tough matchup coming up for the Colts with their f- matchups coming up. I just think it's going to be really tough for them to continue. I mean, Andrew, they might have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL. This week, they play the Patriots. Now, Andrew, I really see them probably going to struggle in this matchup. It's just such a tough matchup to play the Patriots and that stellar defense. That's probably going to be a loss. The next game, they really need a win, but they're playing the Cardinals. And the Cardinals have the best, second-best record in the entire NFL. I sincerely doubt the Colts are going to beat them. The week after, they have another tough matchup against the very gritty Raiders. That one they could win, but I wouldn't say it's guaranteed. The week after that, an easy win against Jacksonville. But Andrew, although they could easily go 2-2, two and two, all the teams they're faring against are two games over 500. So I don't really see a way that they're able to be 500 and get into the playoffs. Now, Andrew, is there anything you'd like to say about the NFL before we move on? I mean, Ryan, it pains me to say this, and to be honest, I kind of want to end the podcast just here and now after saying this, but I have to as an NFL fan. Ryan, this season, there was no longer any NFL team that has not won a game. The Detroit Lions defeated the Vikings on Sunday over a week ago, and every NFL team has at least one win. Yay, Vikings suck. Okay. So yeah, so the Lions finally win a game. They still have the number one draft pick and are still the worst team in the league by far. But you know what? Maybe it gets a little heated at the very end. Ryan, as we come down to the wire, to be honest, I feel like in recent years, I have not seen not a person really emerge as, in my opinion, the clear-cut MVP. Now, I have a couple opinions. Brian, I want to hear your opinion since I think at this point, it's pretty wide open. Yeah, Andrew, I would completely agree. It's wide open. I mean, there are a lot of good players that could get it. I mean, you look at Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Kyler Murray, Jonathan. You look at Josh Allen. You look at Lamar Jackson. You look at Patrick Mahomes. You can look at Justin Herbert. Andrew, there are so many names on this list. And if it's really who's the most valuable player, well, in my opinion, it's got to be Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup. But, Andrew, we haven't seen a non-QB win this award since the old, good old days of the good old running back with Kamara and Zeke winning this award back a couple of years ago. So, Andrew, it pains me to say this, but they're going to go down to a quarterback. And this is tough, but, Andrew, it's going to end up being Tom Brady. I mean, the GOAT just having an absolutely phenomenal season, really looking like back in his prime. They're going to give it to the GOAT. I wish they wouldn't since I hate him, but... I think uh, Tom Brady is going to have another award in his trophy case, another MVP this year. Andrew, I'm guessing you agree with me, and we are continuing to try to move quickly on this show, so let us move on to the NBA. Andrew, over the last two weeks, we've continued to see more of the same as the Warriors and Suns continue to dominate. Andrew, both teams right now are 21-4 and four with the two best records in the uh, with the NBA absolutely way ahead of every single other team. Andrew, if these two teams end up playing in the Western Conference Championship game, I gotta know who has the edge and why. I mean, Ryan, there were a lot of factors going into this game. I mean, with the Warriors, you got 
possibly a Clay Thompson return, since he will almost definitely be back by the playoffs if he doesn't tear another ACL. Then we see the Suns, who may have a couple guys struggling this year. I mean, Booker and Ayn have really not looked that great. Chris Paul has just been MVP level at this point, to be honest. But uh, Booker and Ayn, I don't know, they're, they're not playing amazing. And then we see... What I always look at in these teams that have almost identical records and have right now the exact same record is playoff experience. And who has been there? Now, Ryan, we see Curry, Clay, Draymond, and Iggy, who have all won three championships and have so many times gone to the playoffs. I think they all have at least seven, I want to say, or at least close to that. But then we see the Suns who almost every single player on that roster made it all the way to the finals last year. Now, don't get me wrong, I know they didn't win the finals, but you know what? That helps a lot when you just went there the year before and you have so much grit in you and you really want to make it back there and this time win it. To be honest, I could easily see the Suns doing this. So, probably the Suns, but to be honest, it really matters on the Clay Thompson. At this point, I think the Suns are a better team than the Warriors, but... I do think that with Clay Thompson, with James Wiseman, there's a possibility the Warriors overtake them. But Ryan, let's look at the East. Ryan, when I'm looking at where everything is, between the one seed all the way back to the 10 seed, or sorry, let's say the 9 seed, they only separate between five games. Ryan, the 1, 2, and 3, the Nets, then the Bulls, and the Bucks only separate by 1.5 games. Ryan, the Nets are technically in first, but Ryan... We see a surprise is the Bulls are in second. Ryan, the Bulls are the second place team in the East. Ryan, I remember we were making our preseason predictions and everyone was saying the Bulls are going to be good. The Bulls are going to be really good. They're going to be really good. Ryan, did you ever imagine second place in the East better than the Bucks, better than the Heat, better than the 76ers, better than the Hawks, better than the Celtics, better than the Knicks? Ryan, could this Bulls team... Face the Warriors or Suns in the championship game? Yeah, I mean, Andrew, that is just the question everyone is trying to ask themselves. Because when you look at almost all of the best other teams in the NBA this year, I mean, when you look at the Western Conference, Warriors in first place, MVP, Steph Curry. When you look at the Suns, you've got three all-stars on that roster. And as you said, Paul looks like a possible MVP. When you go third place, you got the Jazz, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. Easy all-stars, Rudy Gobert, always in the MVP conversation. John Murray, in the MVP conversation. The Clippers, Paul George, in the MVP conversation. The Lakers, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, in the MVP conversation. In the East, the Nets are in first place. Kevin Durant, in the MVP conversation. The third place, Bulls. Giannis, in the MVP conversation. The fourth place, Heat. Jimmy Butler, in the MVP conversation. In the MVP conversation. When you look at the second place, Bulls. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they had no All-Stars. I mean, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan might make it. But to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if neither one does. I mean, they're both having good seasons, but not their best seasons. But Andrew, again, this is just another what we talk about. Guys working together, getting hot at the right time, and a lot of guys stepping up into big roles that they might not be used to, but they are working it out. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan both tried to lead teams on their own when they were younger in their career, and I think we found the answer. With each other, with more help, they can do it. I mean, these guys, they play off each other so much. They work so well together. DeMar DeRozan is out right now. We'll see if the team can continue to do well in his absence. And again, you still got Nikola Vucevic, who is, what, like six, seven-time All-Star? This guy is one of the greatest players in the sport still. And that still doesn't mention a very talented other guards of Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso who are both having phenomenal career years. Andrew, when we look at other teams in the East, we see the two huge, shocking teams of the Wizards and the Cavs. Andrew, do you think either of these teams is going to regress? Right now, we see the Wizards fifth place in the East and the Cavs at sixth place in the East. Is this sustainable? Could they end this way? Or is this just beginner's luck? I mean, Ryan... I feel like this Cavs team could be for real. Now, as you were saying about the All-Stars, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavaliers have 
zero top 50 players by the end of this year and zero all-stars. But you know what? Let's take a look at this starting lineup, okay? At point guard, we see Darius Garland, okay? Now, he may not be the best player, but you know what? He is a quality point guard that is doing well. And then, let's just go right to the bigs. Ryan, we see Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, who are both having phenomenal seasons. Ryan, we look at small forward. Laurie Markkinen is remaking his career. Ryan, I'm calling it here first. This Bulls, when he was on the Bulls, that was nothing. Now he's on the Cavs, he is playing like something. Ryan, Isaac Okoro, a shooting guard. Last year, he was terrible. Top number five pick in the draft. Everyone thought he was a bust, but you know what? He's having a good season. And Ryan, when we look at this team's bench, oh my God, usually I couldn't care less about the bench. But here we see Ricky Rubio, who's doing well. I see Kevin Love, who, Ryan, I'm not going to say he's even close to his Timberwolves days or his prime Cavs days with LeBron. But Ryan, Kevin Love does look good. I have to say that. But just the big men, Mobley and Allen. Those guys could easily be all-stars in just two years. I'm not going to say those guys are going to be all-stars next year with the new Twin Towers or anything, but those guys, super talented. Now, the Wizards, they're a good team. They're a very good team. But I just don't see this climbing. I mean, for a while, they were the number one team. Fell to three, four, another five. I mean, they're a good team. I mean, they've lost six of the last ten. They did win their last one, but I just don't see this happening, Ryan. I'm just saying... Watch the 76ers. Watch out for this Sixers team. They're the 7th seed in the East. Joel Embiid is there. And with him back, I think they're easily at least a top 4 seed. And to be honest, this Ben Simmons thing could only go up. There's no way this gets worse. If, let's say, he causes trouble, okay, they're going to cut him. And then the exact same thing is going to happen. But let's say he comes back. He's going to help. Let's say they trade him for something good. That new thing is going to help. So in my opinion... Watch out for the 76ers team. They are a scary team when Joel Embiid has anyone next to him. Anyone. Anyone at all. Tobias Harris is not playing very well, and this team is still the number seven team in the East, and I am almost certain they're going to add a piece or someone is going to step up. Ryan, real fast, let's take a look at the Western Conference. Ryan, we know the Warriors and the Suns. Brian, one team that's kind of come back is the Lakers. Ryan? Tell me, could the Lakers possibly carve out a three-seed in the Western Conference behind the heavy Warriors and Suns? Yeah, I mean, Andrew, I just completely agree. What I've been hearing a lot of is that when LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook are fully healthy, this is the best team we've seen in multiple seasons. I mean, this is what we've been talking about all offseason. You're putting together three of the league's best players. This is the same way I feel about the Nets. If Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving are all healthy, all at the same time, that team is unstoppable. Now, you might be saying, well, Ryan, how can they both be unstoppable? And you're right, you caught me. But every team's going to lose some games. I just mean that they will be one of the best teams we've seen in a long time and a very, very talented team. And that is what I think the Lakers have when all three guys are healthy, which they have been recently. The only problem is that they're barely ever healthy and it takes them, and it's very challenging for them to all be able to work together. But if they're all healthy, and they're all working together, and they can figure this thing out, the sky's the limit. Vine, I'm just going to say this. I completely disagree with you. You're talking about when the best team we've seen in a while. This team is unstoppable. Ryan, no. Okay? You know what team was unstoppable? The Heat, when they had three guys in their prime. No team was unstoppable. The Warriors, when their entire team was in their prime and they had an MVP. Ryan, the Lakers, I'm calling it right here. The Lakers nor the Nets have an MVP finalist this season. I'm saying that the Lakers, LeBron, he is not playing up to his full potential. Russell Westbrook is barely top 50 right now. He's a good player. He's not a great player anymore. Anthony Davis, he comes back for four games, hurts his back. Hurts his leg, then he's out for a month, comes back for two weeks, then he's out. Ryan, he's out right now. I don't understand how this Lakers team's winning. Because to me, it almost seems like the complete opposite of what you said. It seems like when two of the guys are healthy, they, they're unstoppable. Ryan, I was checking the stat line from, I think it was two nights ago's game, where they won by, I think, 13 points. 
Russell Westbrook had eight points. Eight. Anthony Davis didn't even play. LeBron James had a fine game. But you know what? Because two of them were playing, they somehow won. Ryan, I say this Lakers team and this Nets teams are some of the interesting we've ever seen. And when we see three guys teaming up that are all past All-Stars, and at least in the Nets case, all past either finals, either won the finals or MVPs, and same in the Lakers case, Brian, I don't think this is working. I mean, I'll give it to you back in a second, but I just feel like this Lakers team is not looking that good. And this Nets team, this is the second year they've tried this. And don't get me wrong, Kyrie hurts. But to be honest, I don't I just don't think this is working. Ryan, tell me, is this a change in the NBA that we've seen? Or when you get amazing players, is this not the way to win? Is it more like Giannis and just build up guys and young guys and have one all have one superstar and one all-star? Ryan? Yeah, I mean, Andrew, what I think, the, the, definitely the thing that I agree with you on is that it seems pretty clear that while it does definitely help to have more superstars, it's not going to guarantee you a championship. A lot of people were saying, oh, the sport of basketball is completely ruined now that the idea of super teams has come out and people are just stacking all the best players a couple years ago when we had Paul George and Russell Westbrook team up and OKC we had Chris Paul and James Harden team up in Houston. We had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant team up on the net. We had Giannis and Middleton on the Bucks. And people were saying, well, the sport of basketball has already gone down the drain. There's too many superstars just selling out to play together. The sport of basketball is ruined. And Andrew, I'm happy to say that it's definitely not the case. Because what we've seen now is that it's not about having the amount of superstars on a team. It's having guys on a team together that make each other superstars. Now, let me elaborate on that. It's not about a team like the Nets having three perennial MVP candidates. It's a team like the... It's just, it's just not about the guys that do that. It's a team like the Suns. It's a team like the Suns, where none of these three guys are MVP candidates, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, these guys are barely all-stars. DeAndre Ayton hasn't even ever made an all-star game. But it's not about the MVPs. It's about being able to work together, to play together. Chris Paul knows his job. Facilitate. Pick up the assists. Grab about 15 points a game. Devin Booker knows his job. Take over when the game's important. Make a lot of good shots. Take a lot of smart shots. Be a great three-point shooter. DeAndre Ayton knows his job. Queen up the boards. Get about 10 points per game, get two or three blocks, play great defense, and he and they will win some games. You look at a team like that, that team knows how to win. They know what they're doing. They know what's going to happen with the Warriors. You say, well, how in the goddamn world are they doing better now without Kevin Durant than they did with Kevin Durant? Because this is what's working. They know what people's job is. And I feel like that is what NBA teams need to happen. Not about getting a million good guys, but getting guys that play very well because of who's on the team, and they're working together. Andrew, before we move on from the NBA, anything you'd like to add? I mean, yeah, Ryan, that's just a really interesting point. And that's basically what I feel like we're seeing completely, especially with, like, this Wizards team and this Cavs team, where we can barely explain it, because preseason, when we look at this team, we don't see the superstars. We don't see the guys who are being paid upwards of $30 million a year or being in the MVP conversation or having an all-star every season. No, we're seeing teams that have smart management. They're putting the guys where they should be, where they need to be, that's helping the team win. And you know what? I love basketball that way. I love it. I love watching a game where it's the Nets versus, I don't know, the Knicks. And you know what? The Knicks are driving them into the ground. And though I'm not a fan of the Knicks, I love to see a good Great team fall to the underdog, especially when the underdog is amazingly coached. Ryan, talking about the NBA for so long, so we got to move on to some MLB news. Ryan, you said there was a huge signing that is one of the biggest in years. And Ryan, that's just completely false. But Ryan, there was a huge trade. And I have to say, I don't think there's a possibility that this gets overshadowed, at least in this offseason, maybe even next offseason. But, Ryan, 
I'll be honest. I'm going to eat my words here a little. Because two weeks ago, I said there's no way this is going to happen. At least not right now. And you know what? It happened the very next day after. Ron, I said Max Scherzer was not going anywhere. He was going to play for the Dodgers. And you know what? I was wrong. Very next day, he signed with the New York Mets. Ryan, Max Scherzer is now a member of the Mets. So they have Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer on the pitching staff. They have Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez and Pete Alonso in their lineup. Ryan, I would say, oh my God, this Mets team is amazing. Who can stop them? They're one of the best teams in the league. But Ryan, that's what I thought after they signed Francisco Lindor. That's what I thought. After Pete Alonso broke out. That's what I thought. After they signed Javier Baez. And Ryan, it, every single time, every single signing, they seem to disappoint me. Ryan, I'm not saying that I'm a Super Mets fan, but I'm just saying I feel bad for those who are. Because to be honest, this Mets team is so, just so disappointing. I mean, I just feel like they're just this one team that looks good. They look good. You know what? Maybe the first place in the division for a month. Maybe even two, maybe even three. And then they just have this drop-off. Now, last year, it was because of DeGrom. Year before, it was because of Syndergaard. Brian, soon enough, they're going to be out of money. And they're going to be owing all these superstars a bunch of money. And they won't have it because they're signing all these guys. And you know what? They just can't. Brian, I'm guessing you have the same thoughts as me. But tell me, are the Mets now a contender? Or are they just going to disappoint me even more? Yeah, Andrew, I mean, again, as you were saying when you look at this Mets roster, again, they have a lot of very talented players who, again, when you look at the roster, you think, oh, my God, you see Francisco, Lindor, Pete, Alonso, Michael Conforto. You see so you see J.D. Davis, Jeff McNeil, obviously now Max Scherzer. You see Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard. You see so many amazing players. And, Andrew, it's just not working. It's not coming together. Guys aren't able to play together. They can't stay healthy. Just, it's not working. I don't want to dwell on this too long because, Andrew, I said something absolutely insane happened in the MLB, and it did. Andrew, the MLB is in lockout. What did I just say? Yes, the MLB is in a lockout. The players in the management cannot agree on a new collective bargaining agreement, which means that they cannot agree about the economical side of the game. So that means that there will be no baseball operations until a new collective bargaining agreement is reached. Now you might say, is this a big deal? It could be, or it might not be. This has happened sometimes before. It could be weeks. It could be months. Who knows? It most likely will not cut into far next season because you have to remember from an economical standpoint, if the season starts late, that's going to be even more money coming out of the owner's pockets because they won't be able to get any fan revenue. So this probably won't affect the season too much, but trust me, I would not be surprised if this goes partly into spring training and there's a little bit less spring training or maybe the season starts a week or two late. Not a huge deal, but definitely something to monitor. And also, I, d I forgot to say, there cannot be any deals or working out during this time, so players are going to be pretty rusty when they come back because they won't be able to do anything over this time. Andrew, again, it's the middle of winter. If you're in a cold state, you can definitely tell by looking outside. And that means we are nowhere near baseball season. Andrew, is there anything you'd like to say about baseball before we move on? I mean, yeah, just hope this lockout ends. Hope, hopefully the season comes and hopefully the Mets stop disappointing me. Brian, let's move on to some college sports. Brian, in college football, we have so many headlines. Brian. The last time we talked to you, we were about to have the college football championships. Ryan, we just heard that Georgia had was going to play Alabama after Alabama had that huge win against Auburn in the final seconds. Ryan, we saw that Michigan upset Ohio State. So, Ryan, they get to play Iowa in the big-time championship. Ryan, this was a very highly watched game. Brian, Michigan said, you know what? We're the better team. They won 42-3 and... Iowa is sent looking for a not-so-great bowl game. Ryan, and some of the other big conference championship games in the SEC. Ryan, Georgia-Alabama. Ryan, Georgia was the heavily favorite team. But you know what? Alabama pulled the upset. Ryan, Nick Saban is winning this. 
is we were predicting. We almost definitely thought that Georgia would win. But you know what? No, Alabama wins. And they almost definitely solidified their spot in the college football playoffs. Let's keep going. Ryan in the ACC. Almost no one cares. But the Pitt played against Wake Forest and Pitt won. So they have a very good bowl game. Ryan, let's move on to the Pac-12. Ryan, actually, I don't know which one. But we saw that Oklahoma State played Baylor. And Ryan, we said that if Alabama loses and Baylor loses, which means Oklahoma State gets the win, we could see Oklahoma State getting in as the number four team with Cincinnati starting up to three with a win, which they did. But Ryan, with an Alabama win, it almost doesn't matter. And then Oklahoma State goes out and loses to Baylor. So Ryan, we sat and we were almost 100% sure what the top four teams would be. Georgia would be a top team as they go 12-1 and with their only loss against Alabama in the SEC Championship, which is really not even a regular season game. Alabama, who is also 12-1 and and just a phenomenal season they had. Obviously, that loss Texas A&M. Gonna hurt, but you know what? They beat Georgia, which is by far the best win all season. Michigan, who was also 12-1 and with their only loss coming against Michigan State, which was a heartbreaker that they dropped. But you know what? They beat Ohio State, so I think people are okay with them losing that one game to Michigan State. Then we see Cincinnati, who is still the only undefeated team. Ryan, they won their cha- the AAC championship game. And Ryan, they have beaten Notre Dame this year, who looked really good all season except for that one game. But you know what? I guess it doesn't matter because, Ryan, they decided to put Cincinnati as the number four team in the country. Ryan, Alabama is number one, Michigan is number two, and Georgia's number three. So, Ryan, now is our prediction time. Now, don't make any rash decisions because we still got two weeks until those bowl games kick off. But we will see Georgia versus Michigan and Alabama versus Cincinnati. Now, Alabama versus Cincinnati. I think everyone is picking Alabama. Brian, Georgia, Michigan. We can talk about this more next week as well, but this should be a very good game. Ryan, what's your prediction at this time? Yeah, Andrew, I think this is going to be one of the most exciting games to watch this year. I hate to say it, but whichever one of these teams wins, I just think it might be a really just not fun game and a championship game against Alabama. I mean, you saw how everyone was so excited for Georgia-Alabama, and it just kind of became a letdown. I mean, Alabama just slaughtered them, and I'm pretty worried Alabama's going to do that to whoever they face in the championship. But, yeah, I feel like this Georgia-Michigan game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Two of the best defenses in the country, two very strong offenses. I'm very excited for this game. Two definite fan favorites. I know a lot of people who like Michigan, and a lot of people who like Georgia. This should be a very fun game to watch, a very fun game to be in for the players, and a very tense game for everyone watching. But it should be an interesting one. I know I haven't made my prediction yet, but I've got to go with Georgia. Now, would I be surprised if Michigan wins? Yes, I would be. And again, whichever team wins, I think this is a much bigger feat than really anything else because, I mean, the ability to be able to make it to the national championship game and to play Alabama, to get another crack at Alabama if you're Georgia, or to get your first crack at them if you're Michigan, would just be amazing for both teams in both colleges. Just, I've got to go with Georgia. I think they want to face Alabama. I don't think they'll be able to beat them again, but I think Georgia wants this game more. I think they've been here more before, and that's why I've got to pick them to win this game. Andrew, which team do you think is going to win this game? I mean, to be honest... I think it'll be Georgia, just because I feel like they're the better all-around team. And I feel like also this season, obviously, the Alabama loss was extremely tough, in my opinion. And I think definitely brought them down. But I still think that they've had a much better season than Michigan because they have had to be at the number one seed for every single week except for this. And you know what? I just feel like that pressure is going to drive them to win this big game. Michigan... They've been kind of lying in the weeds and waiting to see what happens and beating the bad teams and waiting for the Ohio State game. And I'm sorry to all the Michigan fans. Congratulations. You beat Ohio State. You're a long-time rival that you could never seem to beat. But in my opinion, 
that's enough for you. That is enough for the Michigan Wolverines. In my opinion, I do not see them putting their all into this college football championship game. Georgia, this means something. Because it seems like every single year, they either make it to the college football championship, or they are the five seed, or the six seed, they're in the Rose Bowl, whatever, and they just can't get over the hump. Michigan, they finally got over the hump. But you know what? I don't think they can finish. Georgia, they want this more. Georgia, they need this more. I picked that. Ryan, some other big bowl games where we see ranked team versus another ranked team is in the Alamo Bowl. We see Oregon versus Oklahoma, two teams who were in the top four for over seven weeks. But you know what? Both had crucial losses down the stretch. And you know what? That just burned each of them and really just tore apart their seasons in the process. In the Peach Bowl, we see Pittsburgh, who has a Heisman hopeful in Kyle Pickett, which I'll talk about in a second. Ryan's telling me Kenny Pickett. And then they get to play Michigan State, who was a very good team for a lot of the season. But then we saw that terrible loss to Ohio State, and that just completely sunk them. So that should be interesting. And then we see the Cotton Bowl Classic and the Orange Bowl, both on New Year's Eve, which college football championship. Then in the Fiesta Bowl, we see Notre Dame, who was the five seed, the closest team to not get in the college football championship game. But you know what? When you're not playing in a championship game, to be honest, you really cannot expect that as you are not in control of your own destiny. And you're basically just hoping that other teams lose in the, so you can get in. So in my opinion, I'm kind of happy they didn't get in, but still kind of feel bad for them. They get to play Oklahoma State, who... As I said, had a chance to get in with an Alabama loss, and they win. But you know what? Both of the worst things for them happened. They lost, and Alabama won. So they are forced to play the Fiesta Bowl. The Verbo Citrus Bowl is Iowa, who I thought had a chance to get into the Rose Bowl or maybe the Fiesta Bowl with a win against Michigan. But you know what? Not meant to be. They get Kentucky, who had a fine season. But in my opinion, for Iowa, big letdown for this year. And the Rose Bowl which is usually the best two teams that don't make it to the college football championship, is Utah versus Ohio State. Now, Ohio State, I would be happy for this because this is by far the best case scenario since there was no way they were going to make the college football championship. But for Utah, this is an honor, I'd say, for them because with that game against Oregon, I don't know. That's a good game. They played very well. So good luck to Ohio State. In the Sugar Bowl, we see Baylor versus Mississippi, who Ole Miss somehow climbed to number eight. I don't know how this happened, but Baylor, with that win against Oklahoma State, flies up to number six, so close to the college football championship, but yet so far away. Ryan, that's college football. Brian, let's get to our Heisman. Ryan, we saw that the Heisman were announced last week. We see Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama. CJ Stroud, quarterback for Ohio State. Aiden Hutchinson who is a defensive end for Michigan, and then C.J. Stroud, quarterback for, or sorry, I already said him, Kenny Pickett, who is a quarterback for Pitt. Ryan, just last night, Saturday night, we heard who won, and it was Bryce Young. Ryan, to be honest, no surprise here. As you say, it's going to be a quarterback. Next, last year was kind of a special year because, to be perfectly honest, no quarterback really had that good of a season. Now, you might say, wait, what? The top three quarterbacks, or the top three picks are all quarterbacks. Okay. Um, Trey Lance basically didn't play. Zach Wilson had a good season, but not a great season. Trevor Lawrence was basically only being drafted on his, 2020, on his 2019 season and 2018 season and not his 2020 season, which I think was a huge mistake, but whatever. So, Devontae Smith was probably the best pick, but you know what? Quarterback... It's just not fair. Aiden Hutchinson really had no chance. I'm sorry, Pitt, you, you, were, you were a good team, but you weren't a great team. Alabama, Bryce Young, this is you. Then with Ohio State losing and not even making to the college football championship, I think, or to the playoffs, I think it had to be Alabama as they are the best team with a Heisman candidate. So congratulations, Bryce Young. No huge prize. Ryan, in about 20 words or less, tell me about some college basketball and what's going on. Ryan, how's Duke? How's Gonzaga? Do we see a uh, championship contender yet? Yeah, Andrew. Well, this week, we really saw the emergence of Purdue as they were the number one team in the country. Their first 
ever in program history, number one overall ranking. And we thought, could this be the year that Purdue really has a great year? But Andrew, that was extremely short-lived, as basically right after they had a pretty bad loss to Rutgers, who stinks. Purdue this Tuesday and the new rankings almost definitely be outside the top five and sadly probably outside the top ten. Now you might ask, well, Ryan, who's the best team in the country now? Duke has a loss. Gonzaga has a loss. Almost every good team has a loss except for one. And Andrew, that is Baylor. Now, Baylor, I don't know. Last year, they won the national championship, but they lost Davion Mitchell. They lost Jared Butler. Question remains, do they have enough of the smaller pieces from last year to be able to be able to salvage this dynasty in the future years. Right now, it looks like they do, but the question remains to be seen, can they finish off the season? That is what I'm really looking for at this Baylor team. I'm definitely going to try to see if I can catch some of their games this week to just see how good really is this team? Can they beat some better teams in the country? Or have they just not really been tested yet, just like some of the other smaller teams we've seen in college basketball landscape? Now, Andrew, we have to move on. So let us move on to the Minnesota Vikings. And after that, we'll move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Andrew, with the Minnesota Vikings, we see that last week we played the Detroit Lions. And as Andrew said earlier, we had probably the most embarrassing loss of our entire season, maybe even since we lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago when we lost, what was it, 42-7 to or something. But the score wasn't embarrassing in this one. Andrew, the Vikings are the first team in the NFL to give up a win to the formerly winless Detroit Lions who came into the game 0-10-1 and left 1-10-1 as the Vikings played very well in the second half but just could not get it done as we are winning by less than a touchdown, a couple of points. I believe it was five points with just a couple of seconds left as the Lions threw to the end zone as time expired and the play and the ball was caught as the Lions wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, caught the game-winning touchdown as time expired to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Now you might say, oh my god, Vikings, there's nothing that can get better. There's, n- er, there's nothing that can get worse. There's no possible way things get worse. But Andrew, as I said earlier in the NFL portion of the podcast, the Vikings are still in this thing. It's not over yet. We are bad. We struggle. But Andrew, again, we have a goddamn game out of the wild card. If the Washington football team loses to a much better team this week, we are literally in the playoffs. The Vikings, the season is not over. Don't get it twisted. We still have a game against the Bears. We still have a game against We still have a game against the Packers, which we beat before. So, if we can win those, again, it's not like we have to go 4 and 0. If we go 2 and 2, I like our chances. If we go 1-3, and three, we have a chance. And if we go 3-1, and one, I can almost guarantee you we are in. We have three games left. I'm being told if we can win two, I feel we have a very good chance to win. And if we win one, eh, who knows? It'll be up to other teams mostly. But if we can win two, we will make it. Now, let us look forward, Andrew. This week, the Vi- er, just a couple of days ago on Thursday Night Football, the Vikings had the Thursday night game as we played the Steers, and we picked up an absolutely monumental win as the Vikings came in two games below 500 and left just half a game below 500. And to the Vikings played an absolutely marvelous game as we played very well in the game. As again, it was a very, very close game, but the Vikings were able to close the game out and move on. Yeah, Ryan, that game was super key. And Ryan, on the next four games, we have the Bears, then the Rams, then the Packers, and then the Bears. Ryan, I don't care how we do it. I don't care if we win the first two, lose the next two, if we even beat the Rams and the Packers but lose to the Bears both times. Ryan, I don't care how we do it. We have to split our next four games. Now, the easiest way would be beating the Bears twice. But you know what? We got to split with Ryan. It's how we move super fast. So let's move on to some Minnesota Timberwolves. Ryan. Kind of like the Vikings, just I feel like every time it keeps on happening. I feel like we're like four games below 500, and we're in five straight, and I'm so excited. And then we lose three straight, and I'm like, oh my god, this team is so. And then we lose, and then we win four straight, and then I'm like, there we go. And, and then we lose three straight, and nine right now we're on one of those losing streaks. Now, I would love to say that we're gonna turn around. 
we're going to stop on this five-game losing streak. But you know what? I hate what the Timberwolves are doing where they go on these huge streaks. Because if you go on a huge losing streak and it gets so big that you literally cannot come back from it, I don't want to be a Timberwolves fan. Because if you're just losing so many games in a row, hoping that you're going to win a bunch of games in a row, that's just torture for all fans and the Timberwolves. They seem to be doing fine, but it just sucks being a Timberwolves fan sometimes. But you know what? D'Angelo Russell is out. Team is getting back on the feet. All-Star break is coming up in about a month. So we'll have to see if we can reset. Ryan, let us move on to the birthday of the day. Ryan, today the birthday of the day is Mike Glennon. Now, Mike Glennon is basically just a really funny guy overall. He was drafted by the Buccaneers back in 2013 as a quarterback in the NFL. And you know what? Last year ended up starting a couple games for the Cowboys as first they had Doc Prescott, who had that terrible ankle injury. Then Andy Dunn got COVID or something like that. Then they had Ben DiNucci for a while. But you know what? Cooper Rush for some time this year. I don't know. But you know what? Mike Glenn got into a couple games, and people loved it. This year, he's now on the Giants, where Daniel Jones got injured. And you know what? He's still playing, and he even started last week, and he to start this week. Ryan, some people kind of make fun of Mike Glenn because they think that he has a very long neck. So, some people were saying this week, wait, Mike Lennon? He's still in the league? What's longer? His career or his neck? Ryan, I'm probably going to say his neck. But you know what? It's a very good question because it's a close comparison. Happy birthday, Mike Lennon. Hopefully, you get a couple more starts and hopefully your career lasts a little bit longer so that comparison isn't as close. Happy birthday. Ryan, that concludes our podcast. Ryan, in the MLS, I saw today there was a very good game, and I saw that the cup was handed out. I believe it was Portland versus Seattle, I want to say. But you know what? It was a great game, and we crowned a championship today. But you know what? We saw New York beat Portland as they had a huge last-second goal to win that game. So that was huge for them. Congratulations to New York FC. But you know what? It doesn't matter because, Ryan, next week in the NFL, we'll see so many more games. We'll see which teams can really, really step it up when the playoff comes to push and which teams kind of start to fold and kind of start to lie out and know that they're not going to make the playoffs. Ryan, in the NBA, we're going to see some of these teams and say, are they for real? Are they... Like, are the Wizards a good team? Are they better than the Sixers? Ryan, all those questions are going to be answered next week. We have a great episode for you. Hopefully the MLB lockdown is over. Hopefully the Vikings can actually win a game. Hopefully the Timberwolves don't kill my heart. Ryan, next week on Twin Talk MN.